Welcome to Living a Sex Positive Life, where we can guarantee the topic will be about sex. We'll talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures, the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and just talk about that touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. How are you? I'm here today with my co-host and my husband, John C. Luna. Hello, everyone. And tonight we have our, our guest, Cooper S. Beckett. He's the founder and host of Life on the Swing Set, the podcast, since 2010, author of the Swinging and Polyamory no- novels, A Life Less Monogamous, and Approaching the Single... single- I can't. I got time to say it. Singularity. It's a hard one. I know. It's sort of obnoxious. <laughs> and memoirs, my life on the swing set, adventures in swinging and polyamory. He teaches and speaks on swinging, pegging, play parties, and coloring outside the boundaries of your sexuality. He is a graphic and web designer, photographer, and voiceover artist. He has been a guest expert on Dan Savage's Savage Lovecast and the announcer of Tristan Taramino's radio show, Sex Out Loud. He's currently working on two instructional nonfiction books, one about the beginning non-monogamy and another about pegging welcome cooper thanks for being on the show thank you for having me this is delightful because we've known each other for a while now and it's been way too long and we get to catch up online on you know on the show it's it's great and also exposing you know it's (laughs) it's really it's the cornerstone of everything we do i think I think so. Considering both your podcast and my relationship and our relationships is the same age, 2010, because that's when we first <laughs> met. So it was it was okay. kind of interesting. And then, you know, finally meeting at a swing set central at one of that conference there. Mm-hmm. And the only way to find you was with the uh, Doctor Who number four scarf. <laughs> <laughs> I like well, to be visible. Well, it was really funny because I was listening to Life on the Swing Set, and recently um, you had done a uh, episode where you talk about the 2012 Catalyst Con mm-hmm. and how you were off in the corner. You didn't want to seem like you were off in the corner. You're like a few people came over, and literally, I shouted out loud, "I was one of those people." You were, you were. <laughs> well, it was it was so important to us because we were also very shy because we didn't do a lot of that, you know. So it was brand new to us being in in a public space with people and so it it, at there it served two purposes we didn't we wanted to make everyone feel included and we figured the more people over here the less we will stand out and be awkward absolutely and i think that was my first time really using twitter as an instant message and try to find people (laughs) it's like if people don't understand the power of twitter at a conference Go to a sex ed conference. Go to any conference like that because that's how you find everybody. Oh, hashtag, right. you know, what, what was the uh, Swing Set Central? That was yeah. the hashtag back then. And that's we how you so find everybody. hashtags at that conference, though. Really, we needed to get a handle on our hashtag usage. It was a little out of control, but it was fun, so. <laughs> We're working on it. We're trying to rally around a few hashtags instead of all of the hashtags. <laughs> Well, it's five years later. A lot has definitely changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah three books later and a couple of presentations. Tell us about your journey. Well, let's start with the first, the latest book that just got released last week. Sure. Well, it's called Approaching the Swingularity. Uh, as, as, uh, see, I've had a year to practice saying that <laughs> foolish title. So you should not feel bad. I, but, I have I have had nights where I wake up in a cold sweat asking myself, am I really calling this book that? And I find it I find it way too amusing to change. Um, but I love how it, it's, it does scream out that, you know, obviously the, the swinger part of it, but the geeky scientific part of it, which so many of us relate to, and we're like, oh, yeah. It's what I'm all about, really. If I can't... Fly my geek flag. I I don't know what I would do, actually. So I should talk about the book, shouldn't I? Uh, it's seven days on a resort in Mexico, uh, where we have seven main characters that deal with 
all various types of non-monogamy, conflict and excitement and sex while dealing with things that are going on in their personal lives and their relationships from before the resort. So the resort is like my gateway to the stories of what's happening in their lives. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's really the most sex I have ever written. I think it encompasses more sex than I've written for the website, talked about on the podcast, just more everything. Awesome. <laughs> so, it, it honestly sounds like a... Uh... Uh, an adult version of Welcome to Summer Camp for the week. <laughs> yeah, I, well, you know, uh, I, I I admit to cribbing a little bit from Reed Mahalko and his Sex Geek Summer Camp. Like they, he refers to them as campers, and you know, it's if if you are aware of Reed Mahalko and you read the book, you might see little snippets of him in the camp leader for the trip. <laughs> ah! I told him I... beforehand. Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to smash you and me together. And develop the character based on that. And he got very excited about the idea of smashing the two of us together. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I've been at play parties and I'm just, I'm just giggling so hard because I've seen the play parties. <laughs> <laughs> so they're fictional characters, but they're obviously based on one or more real people that you, you, you well, play with no uh, in the industry. Well, really what I... What I really like to do when I'm writing fiction is sort of distill the essence of people and then mix them together. You know, if I, I'm pulling little bits here and there from all sorts of people I know and from myself, this one was a big um, wake up in that I, I feel like I fragmented my psyche and put elements in each of the characters, uh, things that I, you know, dwell on and obsess over. And that was really an interesting cathartic experience as I was writing it because I put my characters through hell. And if you read the first novel, A Lifeless mm-hmm. Monogamy, you know I am not kind to my characters. They will deal with serious shit. And I do that a lot in this book. And I've got more characters to do it to. So <laughs> it was it was especially difficult when, when I uh, threw things at my characters that that kind of made me feel bad. But I do, no, I, I mean, Ginger and I talked about this on uh, the Life on the Swing Set podcast w- that we did, where the character of Paige, who's a main character in the first novel as well, is very much informed by her. It is not her. But when I'm stuck in the character, I ask myself what she would do. And that informs the character. And thankfully, uh, she uh, was not very angry with me after what I put Paige through in this book. <laughs> good to hear. Oh, that is very good to hear since Ginger is a nice hot redhead. So <laughs> She is a nice hot redhead indeed. <sighs> well, honestly, it sounded like you took the Stan Lee approach. Because I had seen something about him and, and he did basically the same thing with coming up with his... Uh, heroes and villains and giving them their vices and pulling them from different people and uh, very cool. I think that's what all writers do too. You know, they see things uh, in people. They see the way people react to things because that's when you can make it more real instead of just how I would handle this because that's the alternative. If, you know, if I don't, if I don't know how people would actually process things, all I'm doing is basically creating over and over and over myself, and that's not interesting. No, and especially with your weeks and desires. I mean, you've done four years. Is this year going to be your fifth? This, Six this years. Is, this wow. Is our sixth trip, and so this will be my seventh trip to it. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. That is, but as I recall, it keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. <laughs> well, we can't get any bigger because we've actually taken over the resort. So uh, it is what it is now, uh, which is 111 couples um, coming to paradise with us. And yeah, the, the book is definitely my love letter to this place because I there is no place on earth that I love the way I love desire. And it makes me very happy that I can talk about the things that are so wonderful about it 
um, and still make it my own. You know, it, it it is not desire. It's a alternate version of it, but it is heavily, heavily inspired by uh, this place that's so wonderful. Yeah. And talk about desire. I, I know you've talked about it in your podcast, but you've done like workshops, meeting greets. What else do you guys do down there when you have your events every year? Well, it's it's a place where you can go and explore and, and hopefully not be judged for your exploration. And that is really what we've tried to build uh, over the years is acceptance and community. And, you know, uh, it's... Because of that, our trip to this resort is very different, and we're told this by the the staff, that our group cares about each other in a way that other groups just don't, and our group interacts in ways that other groups just don't. So it's like a big uh, safe space play party, where you can meet new people, you can uh, talk endlessly about Firefly and Doctor Who, which is what we did the first night in the hot tub, the first time we were there. And you can explore your boundaries, your sexuality, in a way that maybe you don't get to explore in your day-to-day -day life. And odds are, with the number of people there, there is someone looking to explore the same thing you are looking to explore. And so, like this past year, we tried something new where we had post-its outside the front um, lobby and there's a big open um, pane of glass there and you could write something you wanted or were looking for or were trying to communicate on a post-it and stick it on the board and so quickly the, well the list for gangbangs showed up like, <laughs> it was unbelievable the gangbangs and orgies like i want this kind of orgy i want this kind of gangbang i will be up at the hot tub at this time please come up and say you're interested in participating and that was such a wonderful thing because it allowed people to take risks without being face to face which is terrifying face to face sometimes yeah, so it's, it's really just, um, yeah, I want to go to there right now. <laughs> and uh, I think it's something like 191 days until I get to be back there. Well, and, well let me uh, ask the important question. Yes. Just for everyone who's listening. You're not sold out, are you? We are not <laughs> sold out, but we are selling faster than we ever have. Uh, awesome. We're, it's, I think, 60% sold already. Oh wow! And and there's a you know there's obviously a lot of time left. We have sold out every year, mm -hmm. and um, even as we've gotten bigger, and it always kills me to have to say, no, I have to put you on the waiting list. Oh, maybe something will open up. But um, if if it sounds like something you're interested in, and you feel like you can uh, foot the bill for it, because it is rather expensive ssdesire.com has all the information you need uh, about the trip. And it, it happens in November uh, the 4th through 11th, I want to say. And if I got that right, I will be very impressed with myself. 4th through 11th, score. <laughs> that That's one thing we, we, we've done. This year, at the beginning of the year, when we started this podcast, we laid out all the places we wanted to go to and tried to make as many reservations as financially possible. Absolutely. And unfortunately... Like August just happens to be this month where I think we have three days off where we're not some – it's just it, – it's it's FETCON after Florida Power Exchange, after this, after that. And we're like – then all of a sudden you, we listen to you guys and we're like, swing set. How could we forget that? And now <laughs> now we're looking at that and we're like, oh, damn. Work, work's going to have to be a little disappointed. I need more time off than they're allowing me. <laughs> well, yes, you should come. You would love it. Well, you should be able to. You're you're an online teacher, so as long as there's Wi-Fi, but you know, at the same time, you can't like really work and have fun. Oh, wait, <laughs> and the... no, that that said, you know, there is a contingent that sits naked around the bar every morning. I was one of them, and <laughs> does about one or two hours of uh, remote work. Because, awesome. You know, I mean, if you're gonna do work, 
naked at a bar in Mexico with a Bloody Mary in front of you. That's... <laughs> yeah, because you could do that, hon, because you don't have to be online face-to-face with the students. You just have to answer their emails and texts. Yeah, I, so we could do it. Yeah, it's not, I mean, really, it's, no, it's a no-brainer. Really, it's, <laughs> it's an obvious choice, I think. You know, you have the greatest sales pitch. Not only do you, not only do you you know you get to a place, put 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 your name on the board, search for the sec- most intimate, strangest, repressed sexual things you want to talk about, and there'll be people there to talk about with you. And yep, yep. bam, we're gonna have Wi-Fi, so you don't even have to take off from work. <laughs> good Wi-Fi. You know, I've been to Mexico. Wi-Fi is questionable, but if they have good Wi-Fi, that's they, do. they blast it out because they want to they want to make sure that we can hook up in any way we need to. Oh yeah, that moment where you're trying to upload a file and waiting it for an orgy. We uh, we started an online chat system, and uh, before we we would get people together for group chats, but this last year we put together a proprietary chat system, signed everybody up for it, and everybody had it on their phone the entire trip. So I mean, you don't have to use your phone obviously on vacation, but there were rooms specifically for hookup rooms. Um, you know lost something room and you can go and just say hey i want to put out a ping for everybody and it was so great because you could do private chats and and just be able to connect again easier and that's that's my whole goal is taking away the barriers for connection for people non-stop connection everywhere (laughs) i love it non-stop well you guys have your uh uh, app, don't you? You did release a swing set app. We or do. Swing set FM. Yes. And that's where you can listen to all of our podcasts. Uh, it's yeah, it's the swing FM app in the Google Play Store. I think it's also life on the swing slash app. I want to gotcha. say. And I know it's like since your humble beginnings, you've you've grown the uh, swing set FM quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we we have, I think we're near 10 podcasts now um, on various topics in sexuality, non-monogamy, and my weirdo geeky podcasts, like tw- my Twin Peaks podcast and my Hannibal podcast. Um, those are the outliers. The rest are pretty much about sex and relationships. All that and a full-time job, too. It's, yeah, do I don't know do how it? I do it. Really, no. really, I, I feel like... I'm going to run until I can't anymore, and then we'll see what happens then. We'll, we, we'll see. Well, I think that's why you have desire every year, so that way you could just relax and, you know, and have fun. So, oh, yeah. and, and I do have a blast. It is a lot of work, though, you know, because I am putting on events every day. Every day. No wow, you are ambitious. Never. Never. No <laughs> So which has been your favorite comments from your listeners on the podcast? On the podcast? Well, uh-huh. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm constantly amazed uh, when people tell us that we have changed their life or their relationship. And I have an instant, um, like, oh, no, that's not even possible. No, we couldn't have changed your life. Uh, it, 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 you, you're, you must be mistaken. Um, because I'm... I'm believe it or not, rather humble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's It never gets old, and it always reinforces why we have to keep doing this. Because, you know, as, as you two know, now that you are podcasters as well, podcasting is a rather thankless job where you get complained at and yelled at about so much. Um, and it is important that we remember why we podcast. And those kind of messages that that I've I've made a positive influence on somebody's life, uh, that's truly what it's all about for me. Absolutely. I know you have made such a difference with a lot of people because even I've seen it when we've been at conferences and they're just like even throwing themselves at your feet, which sometimes I just kind of laugh. I'm like, dude, you don't understand. You're making them feel uncomfortable at at the same time feeding his ego. It's just it's a weird dichotomy. Yeah, because it is incredibly ego stroking. And at the same time, like, oh, dear God, I'm embarrassed. (laughs) 
Yes, and the infamous Cooper Beckett's parties or the Life on the Swing set <laughs> play parties there. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we play hard. Oh, yes. And it's like the event planner and all of you come out, and it's so interesting and comical to watch at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. Yes. Like I said, you've been – uh, in the lifestyle about seven years now, a little more than seven. Uh, and uh, almost eight. Yep. Actually, yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I'm always amazed about just in my life is looking back and look at what I'm doing now and <laughs> saying, se- you know, seven years ago, that was still, you know, the dream of the, the Showtime late night thing that I would watch. Yep. Not actually my life. That's so. To uh, sex is fun and savage love, and just think about you know, boy, it it might be nice to enjoy life. I mean, that would be really great if I could enjoy life like these people who clearly are enjoying life. Yes, and now that we're there, we know the meaning of enjoyment. It's not exactly what we thought it was. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not. It, I mean, this—that's the most amazing thing to me—is how, not how much I changed uh, since opening up, which is tremendous you know like i'm i'm very different now than i was but more um how much i've changed as a non-monogamous person since i've opened up you know and when i started i remember reading tristan taramino's opening up and thinking polly sounds terrifying i don't want to do that sex is easy you know polly would be terribly hard and it is terribly hard. I was right. But it all is also <laughs> incredibly rewarding. And I, I think we, we pay for the for the rewarding with the difficult. Well, nothing worth it comes easy. I've right. definitely learned that in life. Very, very true. And, and then especially when you're crossing the streams between, you know, polyamory, swinging, and even BDSM, it, it, it gets kind of interesting and scary because everyone has their viewpoints and hard limits of like oh no no i'll never do that no you guys are messed up and it's just it's kind of challenging to find the right people to talk about that without being judged because even though you know like you said back in the day that yeah you were like swinging no i can't do polyamory but you eventually crossed over and you know there's still a lot of people that have that challenge oh definitely when there are a lot of people you know it's it's one of those uh the great thing about non-monogamy is you don't have to be a swinger or poly you can be whatever this looks like to you you know and i think really that's why it's in the zeitgeist right now is because we're seeing um young people specifically really building their relationships you know and without the uh the traditional idea of what they should look like and because they're eschewing that right away they're able to really develop something unique and different that is them not just what their parents did or what their friends have done it's what works for them and that's so true about non-monogamy you know a lot of people really early get this idea that it has to look a specific way you know it swinging has to be done a specific way and the best thing i ever did for my non-monogamy was decide that it didn't have to be done a specific way that it could be done so many different ways and could be done so many different ways week to week so when i meet someone now it's not that oh i want to fuck that person or oh i want to have a long meaningful relationship with that person it's i like that person let's see what can develop here and that's really cool yeah and and i think the main thing is it's just knowing your hard limits knowing yourself and be open to communicate it and not be judging on labels there because even though it, it we're trying to make it very fluid and open some people are like well you're not bisexual because you don't go down on a girl and i'm like well i do everything else i'm attracted to them why, why do you say i'm not bisexual you, because you have... people like to judge uh <laughs> that's why no that's yeah. that's it people like it, to it judge is. 
and people, I, you know, I think, I think really the problem is um, so many people in our community, uh, and I, I talk to the extended community there, the uh, the LGBT community, uh, all the alternative sexuality, alternative relationships. So many people in our community feel like they've had to fight for every bit of their lifestyle, and because of that, a lot of them have become hardened and sort of feel like, you know, I worked so hard and here you are walking in doing something completely different and how dare you? And I, it's, it's such a shame when that happens because it really reinforces the idea that nobody oppresses like people who've been oppressed. And we can all have whatever approach we want to our lifestyle, to our sexuality, and as long as we're not hurting them, really, they shouldn't have a fucking thing to say about it. And that goes for political, too. <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's a long time to get into that journey, because I'll even admit, you know, back in, in starting with my journey into being uh, non-monogamous, that I had so many things when someone would mention to be like, oh, no, no, I don't do that. And I realized how much I was judging it. And as as I've gone on, like I said, there's more and more things I do. I don't fit into one group. And then all of a sudden, uh, I came out about being bisexual. And we started feeling it on us. We had couples that all of a sudden turned around and were like, oh, yeah, we're, we're not going to play this weekend. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to pull you in the closet. We've all been naked in the same room on the same bed. Nothing's changed. We but it takes consent. Yes, still that hasn't changed at all. But it, it takes a while for that, I guess, that shock to go over of we know people are different. We don't know how different. Right. And then just being able to get comfortable with it and say, you know what, it's okay. It's okay if you're into something that just completely freaks me out. Go for it. Enjoy. Have fun. I'll still be here. Yeah. But it's okay for two dicks could go in one pussy and it's not gay. No, because, I mean... Well, you know, I mean, that's... If, if <laughs> yeah, exactly! Something with dicks rubbing together, having them rub together in a pussy, I mean, come on. That's probably the most hetero thing you can be doing while your dicks are rubbing together. Yeah. Fine, I'll accept that. <laughs> I, I, I'd say if you're in that position, stop thinking about the label and think about the pussy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that can apply to many things. <laughs> so let's see what else there's been so much uh definitely the cast has changed over the years but you you uh, have remained constant i have dylan too dylan, dylan too. too yeah that's the, the two amigos there og say again the, the ogs the original gangsters the original. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I just pronounced that as white as I possibly can. <laughs> yes, it was. But because I am just that dorky, really. I think that's what it is. There, there's nothing wrong with, with, with being white. I take pride in my uh, non-rhythm dancing that I do. <laughs> Which is always comical when you have a Mexican and a white Italian. So the, the, the puns are so outrageous. <laughs> That's why I always have issues taking them to Desire. I'm like, okay, make sure you're covered in lots of suntan lotion because you do burn. <laughs> well, I burn tremendously, and somehow I manage to avoid the sun. You know, like, there's a lot of shade there. And if you're in a beach bed on the beach, you know, it's shaded. Uh, and, you know, if you go up to the hot tub around 4.30, the sun's already setting. So, you know, I can spend actually a surprising amount of time out of the sun. Well, yeah, then you have all those people c covering you up from the sun, too. So it's not just... Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that happens also. I, I, could, I could imagine after the parties, um, the, the kind of, how would you put it, operating hours kind of shifts. Because I don't think anyone's getting up at 8 a.m. Yeah, I'm surprised. Really? Yeah, the the hours uh, at Desire are really like seven to five. <laughs> you know, I'm on the late shift. I don't get up early. Uh, I don't get up early in life. 
But what I try to do in Mexico is not allow myself more than six hours a night because there's too much to do. And if I, if I don't set my alarm for six hours from whenever my head hits that pillow, I will just sleep till like two in the afternoon because of exhaustion, sheer exhaustion. Basically, we're just running on sex high and espresso martinis. I can't disagree with that logic. <laughs> yeah, because you still have to be sociable and, you know, run a podcast and well, that, have guests. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's also happening, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what, 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 is, what is coming up? What's next? I mean, the book came out and it is your technically third book? It, it is my third book, yeah. Um, I'm prepping uh two books right now with two wonderful co-writers um and those are both non-fiction i i wanted to try going back to non-fiction a little while and the specter of the audiobook for approaching the swingularity looms large because i made the wonderful and foolish choice last year to split the audiobook between myself and Kat Stark, so I would read the male portions, she would read the female portions. And of course, that led me to wanting to push that all the way to the limit. And we have seven point of view characters in this book, so why not have <laughs> seven narrators read the book? Because I'm crazy. You don't lack ambition. <laughs> <laughs> I lack time. I, I, I should I should recognize that occasionally. I know it wouldn't a TARDIS come in handy just to go in and sit in for a couple of days and just come out at the same time. No, I mean the problem with the TARDIS is as as much time as it would save me, I would just spend all of it visiting all the people all over the world that I adore. That you know, you meet so many people when you travel around and and do these things. And then, unlike most people who are perfectly happy to live out their whole damn lives only meeting friends within, uh, I don't know, 30-mile radius, <laughs> I have to go and meet friends thousands of miles away. <laughs> yeah, we know that feeling. <laughs> it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> and there's only so much money in the travel budget. Well, it's true. It's it's we we live in a world putting swinging aside where it is so hard to find those people you connect with. You know, it, it is. We live in a society where where everything's a little. Uh, how would you put? We're not a huggy society. And now all of a sudden, you know, with the swinging and and, and the podcast and the non monogamy, it becomes very huggy. We meet our group. We meet these people. We're like, we want to talk with you more, but you're on the other side of the country. Damn it. And as great as Skype is, it's really not, it's not enough. I mean, and it almost makes you yearn more, I think. Well, oh, I'm yeah, sure the absolutely. Japanese are working on like a touch version of Skype. I've it, seen it, that. It, it's terrifying. It does exist? Yeah. I was joking. Oh, there, it, there's there's a, a thing uh, that you can give virtual hugs. And, you know, the, the porn industry has been working on teledildonics forever. Um, I don't know that we'll ever get to true uh, worthwhile teledildonics, but everyone keeps promising me we will. Well, you know, it's going to be sooner or later because they already are starting to invent the first uh, female robot brothel in Japan. So, that. yeah, so I, why I not? Like, I feel like the robots are coming to take away our jobs in the most unexpected way. Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen that HBO series Westworld? I have. I have. It, that's where it's going. I it, swear to God. <laughs> well, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. So much sci-fi coming to life. <laughs> and so uh, I know you you mentioned about uh, pegging. How I know you do a couple of workshops. So how's those turning out? Is that, you know, being... Positive, negative, how's the response oh, yeah. on those? I, th I think people are really starting to embrace it. And, you know, there's still definitely a contingent who's all like, uh, well, nothing goes in my butt, that's an outdoor, I don't want to be gay. But we, we are starting to recognize that they're stupid. And, 
Okay, uh, not stupid. I, I should I should uh, pull that one back. But they are starting to be embarrassed saying things like that. And that's the first step to actually opening your mind is feeling like a damn fool for saying the hateful thing you just said. It's like, don't knock it till you try it. You know, <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of great stuff out and there. Again, pegging is one of the most weirdly specific sex acts. It's a woman, period. Putting on a dildo, period, and fucking a man in the ass, period. That's what pegging is. It doesn't encompass anything else. If there's a guy back there fucking in the ass, that's not pegging. So therefore, it's completely hetero. Completely. Because it's a woman fucking a man. That's, I mean, that's, that's how it works. So people need to get over themselves. It is interesting when, you know, you're having a conversation and, and in the groups now we have, you're so casually bringing up, okay, there was this time I had this toy in my ass. And you realize you just said that with such straight out confidence, not even flinching. You're like, that would not work in any other place but here. <laughs> <laughs> Need to remember, don't say that at work. Oh, so many conversations you could have and you're just like, oh yeah, that's right. It only works here. <laughs> So what else on the uh, forefront you have there that you're plotting to uh, other than try to take – and your partner, how is she doing? Ophelia is wonderful. Uh, she has a great job here in Chicago. Um, she may restart her podcast at some point. A lot of people ask about it because it was very popular, her Kinky Geeks podcast. She is uh, my co-host on our Twin Peaks podcast and our Hannibal podcast. Yeah, because um, yeah, I, I know Miko's coming down to Orlando soon, so I've been seeing oh. Miko more than her, than you, so it's like... <laughs> when Miko's got her awesome sexual history tour thing going, it's really uh, it's really great. I keep telling her she should have a podcast for that one. She but does, because the, the material that she sends, it's just fascinating. Yeah. Just learning about sex history there, all the different outcomes and possibilities. Yeah, because I'm just waiting for her to like, come on, be on my podcast. Come on, I need you. Talk about history, sex. Yeah, I, I think she has the um, the good sense, unlike me, to you know limit the number of podcasts she's on. So. <laughs> Working on those boundaries, aren't you, Cooper? <laughs> <laughs> Trying. Trying. I don't know. It seems like we need to move. I mean, I always thought California was, you know, the the, the sexy place and all that. But it seems like we need to hang out more in Chicago. Cause there's there's a lot of cool stuff going on in Chicago. A lot. I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, it's 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 we're sort of willing it into existence. You know, Chicago's got an incredibly uh, diverse, sex-positive community. They just don't talk to each other, and they they tend to have that problem that we talked about earlier, where they they're like, "Oh yeah, we're not part of that community," and it's a shame. And so, what we're doing is in our in our little niche, we're just expanding. The boundaries, you know, like we did with with uh, Mega Table at the conference. We, we mm -hmm. took the tables around us and we made them part of our table. You know, it was a hostile takeover. Yes, <laughs> and I it didn't seem that way. That is is terrifying, but at the same time, really, it, it's a lot of people need to see that the people around them are so much more similar to them than different, and. Uh, then when we fight together, we fight as a unit, and it's a lot harder to oppress us. Yeah, and, and people have to realize, even though they're in their separate little pod world, we all have the same challenges and social injustice. I'm sorry, I have to go there. Because it's like, if we work together, we could come up with better strategies and better ways to fight the rest of the world, because all reality, it's us against the world. But we're not seen as like, let's, you know, join together and not like the European Union who falls apart eventually. But, you know, <laughs> well, we're well, all stronger together. Let's hope they're OK. Yeah. yeah. I have good feeling about France. 
Of course, I had a good feeling about the United States, and they proved me really wrong. They proved us all wrong, okay? You know, it, it, it's just so, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying not to go there because it's <laughs> like, you know, like I said, I'm Mexican, first generation born here. Parents are, you know, from the old country. And my dad's like, okay, deport me, deport me. I'm like, dad, why? It's a free ticket, one way home. I'm like, oh, God, you voted for him just to get a one-way ticket back to Mexico. Okay, that's it. You just disappointed me every aspect. <laughs> yeah, I had to tell him, you know they're not going to deport you to desire. Yeah. He's like, oh, damn. No. <laughs> we also debated staying last last november because we were there when the uh election happened so there was a lot of discussion <laughs> just didn't go home you know with the world of online living yeah that is a possibility <laughs> <laughs> well the flavors will always be uh the word i use is cannibalistic on each other but <laughs> But it was funny because there was at that time, we'll go back uh, about a couple of years, um, you ever just get into one of those really moods where tonight I'm outgoing. I don't know why, but I'm just really happy I'm going to be outgoing. And we went to yeah. a swing club and I'm sitting and we're talking with a group of people and it would happen to be, uh, it was by night. You remember that one? Oh yeah, that's right. And it ended up being like an awkward high school dance. Where, you know how people like are standing on their, like their different tables and there's a couple over in the corner and I just got the bug that I'm going to be the hero today. And I'm not sure that was the right thing. And I just started walking over to people out of the blue, which I never do, and going, by the way, you two are cute. You need to sit down over here and talk with us because I think I want to have a conversation about about whatever. And I just make up shit. Um, And I I get the weirdest looks. And one person's like, okay. We sat down. We talked for a while. What is it? Five years later, we're still talking to them. Yeah. Every time they fly back to the country. And uh, sometimes it takes that. We're talking about being aggressive. It takes that aggressive recruitment. That the people are there, they made the step, whether it's poly, whether whether it's a convention, whether it's that, and you just need to start throwing out the fishing line and saying, they look interesting, get over here and tell us a story. Or, or just threw that friggin' iceberg out there. It's like, come on, you know, you, you came here, you know what the topics are supposed to be. Hook up with someone. Talk. Don't be like on the opposite side of the rooms. I just, yeah, that, that was just like a weird high school dance. <laughs> But it turned out really well. Yeah, for us. Because then I started threatening people. If you don't come over here, she's going to put her clothes back on. (laughs) (laughs) And no one wants to see that. Absolutely. And sometimes that's needed. Just You need someone to make that first step. That first uh, initial crossing of the the lines. And you've done that very well with the podcast, seven years plus. Yes. You know, we've heard of other, you know, swinging podcasts that have come and gone. And they have. Yep. And you've you've remained very strong and growing. And that's fantastic. And we appreciate it. And we thank you for all your hard work and efforts and, you know, dedication to playtime. Well, you know, that's a hard job, but somebody's got to do that. No, but I mean, it's it's really. it's a tremendous group effort. You know, Dylan's uh, tireless work uh, editing it. Ginger, who's taken a hiatus right now, but she will be back. And we have some wonderful um, new co-hosts on the show, Dirty Lola and Liz and Mike Joseph. It's really been just a fantastic experience, you know, and we, we Dylan sent out an email the other day saying, OK, we should start pr- planning our 300th episode. And I had to double check to make sure that was correct. Mm-hmm. But in August of this year, we will be running our 300th episode. And that's unbelievable. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's one, I guess it's one of those things that do sneak up on you. You keep doing it for a while. And uh, yeah, I still look around. I'm like, we're at 15? 15 <laughs> well, double digits. Yeah. We used to celebrate every little, uh, little digit change. You know, oh, 10th episode. Let's do something special, you know. That's it's well, uh, once you once you get past a hundred, then those slow down. Well, it's just like a relationship, then. <laughs> you, you, you know, you celebrate that one month anniversary, and it's like, hey, six months, honey, and after like you know ten years, you're like, okay. Yeah, no, we, one, we, no one's c- celebrating your you know sixteen thousandth month anniversary. 
It's been 12,000 days, baby. No, no one's doing that. <laughs> oh, God, no. It's like, no, I'm not that bad, okay? We're just having a challenge with our daughter, you know? It's like, you know, because she's in high school, and they're doing that whole puppy love. Oh, it's our one month. Oh, we got to do something special. And, and that's like, I'm like, oh, my God, really? Seriously? Back off. Because <laughs> you know, sooner or later, they're going to change within a couple of months. It's high school. Yeah. But would you trade any of that? I mean, come on. It's... It's formative. It's uh, never, never dissuade from puppy love unless it's very irritating. And then go ahead. <laughs> Everyone's well, got to go through it in order to mature that's and, right. and get to a better place. It's just sometimes you don't want to hear about it again and again. <laughs> yeah, but when you grow up, it's no longer called puppy love. It's called new relationship experience. It's NRE. And it's yep. still the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> So you just termed the uh, change the terminology with the age. New, what would you call it? New. Uh, NRE. NRE. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> and then compersion. That that we're still teaching a lot of people that new word. Well, yeah. I mean, the compersion is one of those words that I think we'll always be teaching people because the mainstream is not accepting it because there couldn't possibly be anything opposite of jealousy. No, not at all. Jealousy is the only way to go. How else would you know someone loves you? You take them to church and bless them and add the holy water. That way they know that they love you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just like... Sorry, born and raised Catholic, so, you know, all these things that we do was so against the church. But I'm like, I'm still religious. I still believe in God. What's so bad about being happy in sex? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell you're controlling yourself. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes, I am controlling myself because I can also be a polite guest. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have that little bug that says, I'm not going to get political? Of course you, know, you do. It, it's, <laughs> it takes over everything. So I'm trying not to do it as much because the world is shitty and I don't want to pile on and make people feel shittier unless it's necessary, you know? True. Very well, you true. and your crew are helping to make it a brighter place as we're trying to do oh. as well. And you are. And that's you're you're sharing and you're sharing something wonderful and you're sharing positive sexuality. And that is probably one of the most important things we can be doing at the moment, because I truly believe that almost all of humanity's woes come from a lack of sexual education. Agreed. Bad attitudes about sex. And regardless of the reason why there are those bad attitudes, it's still, uh, it it informs nearly every policy we have, nearly every um, law, and nearly every bit of racism is eventually, when you get right down to it, informed by sexual misinformation. It is. And just having everybody come out and talk about sex in whatever genre, because I know um, a couple of years ago, a lot of the conferences I was going were very, you know, not not to sound racist, but very white and not enough people of color. And I, I was just like, oh, why is it, you know, are they not having the same challenges? But then again, there wasn't enough conferences to express that, you know, right. that they have their own little, you know, challenges in polyamory and being in swinging and BDSM and all the others. It's just it's not as, I don't know, brought to the forefront as the rest of us. I, I Again, I go back to the whole white supremacy thing. I just like, you know. Well, one thing we enjoyed was uh, well, Sex Down South. Uh-huh. Um, which was a wonderful conference we went to. Unfortunately, we just got news that they they yeah, canceled they had to this, cancel year. this year. Unfortunately, oh. not enough space in Atlanta. But yeah, Atlanta's yeah. booming with their conferences. I know I was there a couple of weeks ago, and it was like, yeah, one conference after another. They they're just turning it over, so I could see why. Um, 
but hopefully they could bring it back next year. They get the space there. So they did a fantastic job. All the performance, everything. Seeing Reed, seeing Tristan, having... Yeah. <laughs> and then Sonny and uh, Ken there. It was the first time we met. It was just so comical. It's like, I've talked to you for seven years online. Now I get to see you in person. <laughs> that, is, that is such a crazy thing when that happens. And uh, well, who was also there? Someone you interviewed recently, uh, Andre Shakti, was down there at that time. Oh, Andre's awesome. Yes, she was such a trip. I, I have major crush on Andre Shakti. <laughs> major, major crush. Oh, don't worry. John did too. After her workshop, he was like, <gasps> I'm like, okay, tell me about it. Because, you know, you know how it is. You have all these workshops, and sometimes you can't attend all of them, so you kind of split right. off. Right. And so we did that. So he went to Andre's. I went to another one's. And, uh, yeah, it, it was so cute. Said, we need to buy more lube. I got to do some stuff. <laughs> And luckily, they had enough vendors selling enough lube, so it was good. <laughs> oh, so much fun. So we're already at our time. It was a pleasure. Cooper, where could everyone find you? I'm real easy to find. CooperSBeckett.com. I'm on almost every social network at CooperSBeckett. Uh, podcast is on LifeOnTheSwingSet.com. And... You can buy the book at cooperasbeckett.com as paper or ebook, and uh, I really appreciate it if you buy it from my website because I'm an independent publisher. But if you want to buy it from Amazon, I'm also pleased. Absolutely, and it's so much fun to read, especially on an airplane and having people look over and trying to read your book. I'm like, <laughs> that happened to me with the first book. I was yeah. like, oh god, no! But definitely, <laughs> we'll have links on everything to, like I said, buy it directly from Cooper. Support us, the little people making you entertainment and enjoyment. You can find us on Living a Sex Positive Life on Facebook. I'm everywhere on social media as Miss Angelique Luna. And I'm on Twitter as John C. Luna. So look me up, say hi, let me know what you think. We're, we're, oh, we want as much feedback as possible. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.